Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Jesus in the New Testament, he is constantly at different parties. In fact, he gets the moniker or the, uh, the kind of nickname from people who don't like him that he's a drunkard and a glutton, right? Because they're like, well, if he's always at parties, he must be, you know, he's just a party animal. Like, never probably think of Jesus as a party animal, right? But that's, uh, I think Animal House is playing in my head right now. Food fight! You know, Jesus, no, that's probably Peter's role, throwing mashed potatoes at people. Matzo balls chucking at people. Um, I'm making my wife proud right now with that visual image. Uh, but that's, that's kind of what, what, what the Pharisees are implying about Jesus, that he is just this, this guy and his disciples are, are crazy and because he's always eating with people. He's always entering their space. I have a really good friend of mine who refuses to eat in front of other people, refuses to eat in front of other people because he is the sloppiest messiest eater in the world. And he knows this about himself and every bite that he takes, I mean, he could be taking, you know, eating a Skittles, like the smallest morsel. And you're like, dude, what just happened? Like, What is going on? Because that, that's just how he, he eats. He tries not to, but he eats that way. I think there's, there's something going on. Um, maybe, maybe with his mouth is the way it was just formed or whatever. I, I don't know. Whatever, you know, you got to eat. You got to put food in there. And, but if he's around people he does not know, he will not eat because he's so self-conscious of it. And so this particular guy, uh, I knew him for a while. And then all of a sudden, he's at my house, and we would, we would do things, and he just wouldn't eat. He'd be like, oh, I ate beforehand. I ate beforehand. Man, you didn't eat beforehand. You're just not eating. Don't lie to me. But then all of a sudden, he started eating at our house. And I, I remember that because it was very special to me. That was kind of annoying hearing the sounds that were coming, but um, because if you know anything about me, I'm an auditory person, and if my kid, my son, bless his heart, eats with his mouth open, it's like shivers go down the spine, Holt wants to come out, it's bad. But any, dealing with this, I had to calm myself down and say, wow, this is an honor. This is an honor that he's eating with me, because he's saying, you're safe enough. I trust you enough with, with even my vulnerability. And so as we see Jesus going through uh, the New Testament, eating with people, you're kind of entering into their home, right? If someone, you're having a guest at your house, you're, you're going mad dog crazy cleaning everything, and uh, you don't notice the tumbleweeds of dog hair in your house until someone is coming over to your house, right? You're like, ah! I can't believe I let that happen, right? That's not a, that wasn't an issue 30 seconds before, but because the Van Eyck's are coming over, oh my gosh, DEFCON 3, we got to clean everything. This is why we have life groups only for five, six weeks at our house, because we can only sustain this level of clean for that long, right? We're going to need a break for like 12 weeks after that. Okay, whoo, um, just, just being honest, uh, that's, that's true, real life right there, uh, but the vulnerability of someone coming into your home, right? What if they don't like the cooking? What if I burn this? What if that happens? What if they're allergic to this, right? Jimmy Bell, one of my best friends in the world, is allergic to chicken. How many, I mean, every, it could be a steak and it's got chicken broth in it. Like, don't do that. But every, every recipe, <laughs> every recipe ever has some sort of chicken. Like, even if he's really, if all of his allergies have been ticked off, eggs will make him go a little bit wonky. And then like he'll, he'll be at a restaurant, and he'll, he'll take one bite, and he's like, here you go, buddy. I'm like, what? 
He's like, they put chicken in my, you know, eggs, you know, whatever salad or whatever. I'm like, sweet, another meal for me, and I don't have to pay. Uh, but <laughs> there's got to be a perk for hanging out with him, right? Um, I, I love him. Uh, so anyway, um, there's these moments, and there's this vulnerability going on when you're eating with somebody else. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how that's all going to work out. You don't know how your kids are going to act. You don't know how the dog is going to act. You don't know how, like, your husband's going to act. You don't know any of these uh, variables are going to happen. So there's a vulnerability in eating. And there's the same vulnerability that's happening when Jesus is eating with people. And so in Luke chapter 10, the very end, we're going to be in uh, verse 38 to 41. Verse 38 to um, 42. Let's go ahead and finish the whole thing. Whoops. What's going on? Well, the setting of this is the disciples are probably going to the Passover uh, setting here in Jerusalem. They're in a little town called Bethany, and Bethany is a suburb of Jerusalem. It's only two miles outside of Jerusalem, so they're, they're on their way there. We talked about last week, which uh, with the feeding of the 5,000 happened at the time right before the Passover. And so what was going on is the crowds are around Jesus. He feeds the 5,000 men, probably 15,000 people, if you include women and children. And then he starts his journey down to Jerusalem. He's hanging out in Bethany to one of his favorite people's house in the whole world. It's Lazarus's house. The same guy that a year or two later, Jesus will uh, bring back to life after he's been dead. This is that same family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These are Jesus's, like, this is his safe place. Because think about it, when he goes into Jerusalem, there's all kinds of crazy stuff getting ready to happen. People are going to want to kill him. People are going to want to anoint him king. Like, talk about, ooh, uh, like the, the dichotomy of that. There's going to be a lot required of him to be teaching. He's going to be teaching nonstop. Everyone's going to be following him step by step. People are screaming, heal me, heal my sister, heal this dude, do this. Jesus, you're a jerk because of this. You know, all that, that whole gamut is going to be happening to him. And so he stops in Bethany two miles out, and he's with his people. Right? You know, you know that those conversations that it's just like you can feel your love tank go bloop, 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 and get full? That's what he's doing here. Okay, so that's where he's at. Verse 38. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. I don't like this passage. Any, like, get-her-done kind of personalities out there, right? If you got to-do list people, let's get this. Mm. I'm Martha attitude all day long. I'm not a Mary person. I'm not going to sit and be like that. I had a girl in, uh, in, in college, my best friend's girlfriend, and I'd ask her, hey, how are you doing today? She's like, oh, I just got to be with Jesus today. I went to class. I did my homework. What, did, be, what are you talking about? Like, she just annoyed me with all that, but, like, she probably was doing it right. But anyway, um, I'm thinking, I ain't paying $30,000 a year to be anywhere. I'm get this going. Um, anyway, just do that. And I just, I don't understand that. I don't get that. But Martha is buzzing around the kitchen and you can hear like, I, I, I read in a lot of 
passive aggressive and aggressive stuff into the story. Like, how many of you know when Mary is sitting there at the feet of Jesus, the dishes all of a sudden got dropped and got louder in the kitchen? Like, boom, 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 boom. Man, I really wish someone would help me with this kettle, Mary. Uh, you know, that's. You guys, that's how I read the Bible. I'm just telling you. Uh, makes it a little more exciting. But that, all that's going on in this, and she comes out, and I'm going, yeah, Martha, get him. Like, come help me. I'm cooking dinner. Let's do this thing. She's like, no, 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 no. There was two choices, one to be busy, one to sit at my feet and be with me. Being with me was the better choice. That was a good choice, c- cooking dinner. Peter and Andrew will be happy. But the best choice was sitting at my feet. What did Jesus do a week earlier? He fed 5,000 people with a piece of bread and with a Lunchable. (laughs) Right? He fed 5,000 people with a Lunchable, and he's going, Martha, you can chill. Like, I can order Domino's like this. You don't even know what Domino's is yet, but I got this. Like, he, he gets, I don't know what that looked like. I don't know how he, wow. I don't know what would happen, but Jesus has got this. He doesn't need you slaving in the kitchen to feed anybody. He can handle 15 people, right? And the 5,000, he's got this. And for me, uh, for me and for you, I, I go, oh, but Jesus, you need me to do all the X, Y, and Z. You need me. You have to have me to do all this stuff. And she's like, no, 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 what I have to have is for you to sit down and be with me. That's hard because I like to like feel like I did something, feel like I accomplished something, feel like I, I, I mattered to Jesus today. Jesus is like, nothing you can do to deserve, like nothing. You, I, I know you in your warts and I know you what you do and I know that and I know this. And yeah, that's nice. I like that you do that, but that's not the best thing. The best thing is come here. One of the other uh, gospels talks about what Mary is actually doing at this time. Mary at this time is, is probably is anointing Jesus' feet. She's sitting at Jesus' feet, and she's, she's drying his feet off with her tears with her hair. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, about a different happening of this happening uh, when, a, when a prostitute did this. Like, this is the most intimate, crazy thing. Like, Martha's probably coming out and saying, Mary, quit acting like a prostitute. Right? You ever said that to your sister? Ooh, that's history. Uh... <laughs> that's, what, that's what's going on here. It's like, Mary! Knock it off! Tell her to help me! Get out of this awkward situation! This is weird. You're destroying my... And Lazarus is just like, I, I don't know. Lazarus doesn't even make the story, but he's there like, okay, what's going on? My sisters are crazy, which every brother anytime has always uttered. Right? Um, but this is, this is what's going on there. And so she's kind of speaking into this, going, I'm trying to save face. You're not doing what's supposed to happen. Under the pharisaical law, you are acting terrible. You're supposed to be helping me. There's all these rules about hospitality. We got to cook this, and we got to cook that, and we got to do this, and we got to do these things so we can bless our guest. And Jesus says, no, those are good things. That's not the best thing. What I want you to just come sit with me. I got the food handled. Snap my finger. We can have Thanksgiving dinner. It's okay. We are in this moment when uh, I think when we deal with it and look at ourselves, we look at how we structure our time, we look at how we set our priorities, we 
get fixated on when our to-do list gets interrupted. Anybody else get in a really bad mood when your to-do list gets hijacked by somebody else? Thank you for not everyone saying amen on that one. But yes, when you get hijacked by somebody else, whether that is traffic on 55 because people are dumb and they can't drive, uh, right? (laughs) There we go. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, (laughs) When it gets hijacked by that or hijacked by somebody else's question or hijacked by your kids being sick or hijacked by all these different things, like, why are you always puking? Like, come on, kid. Uh, Don't you know what? Mama's got things to do. Right? That, that's just the way life is. And so we, we get so frustrated and so angry in those control issues when Jesus is like, whoa, 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 you're, you're all up, upset about these things that you're doing, these good things that you're doing, but they're not the best thing. Are you coming after me first? Are you seeking my face? Are you sitting at my feet? But Jesus, you don't understand. I got all this to-do list to do, and I got all these things. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what is going to make that to-do list a lot easier? If you spend time with me. Fastest way to fix your parenting is to improve your marriage. Fastest way to improve your marriage is to fix your relationship with God. So your kids and spending time with your kids and doing all the things with the kids and doing the, the homework projects and having little, little you know, paper and mache stuff and making all the other parents go, yeah, you did that work, not the, your kid. All that stuff is good, but that's not the best. Because when you, if you want to fix your parenting, you got to fix your marriage. And when you want to fix your marriage, you got to fix your relationship with Jesus. You can't get that out of order because if all I'm doing is spending my time with my kids and like, oh, I got to fix this time with my kids. I got to fix this time with my kids. You know, Johnny's acting this way and, and Susie's doing this and blah, 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 blah. And I'm fixated on my kids and trying to fix them. Guess what? Your marriage starts to suffer and your relationship with God starts suffering. But the problem is your relationship with God out of everything that we have a saying here in leadership at our church is what flows over the head flows over the body. If your relationship with God is correct, then then. Everything else comes in alignment. Your relationship with your spouse starts to get better. Why is that? Because when you get cl- draw closer to God, you start to see what's re- actually important. You start maybe being able to love your wife a little bit smarter. Instead of thinking, oh, if I just do this or just do that and these things are going to fix it, how about I am present with them? How about I actually listen when they're talking to me? How, how about I do things with them? How, how about those things? Those, those priorities start to get a little more narrowed in. Your kids... React to how your marriage is. Kids are, kids are acting a fool. Why? Well, are you arguing every five seconds in front of them? Their world is shaken. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what's going to happen. Is my, all the other kids in their little elementary school, their parents got divorces. What's going to make you different? You can just, just, just throw that out there. Now, they need to see you argue healthy in front of them so they get to be, figure out how to make arguments and how to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the closer you are to God, the closer you gather to your spouse, and the closer, the better your relationship with your kids is going to be. Is that an overnight fix? Absolutely not. There is not a thing like, oh, we had a good, Jared, I went to church once in the last five years. My relationship with God is solid. (laughs) Okay. I went on a date once with my wife in the last six years. My relationship with her is absolutely wonderful. I took my kids out for ice cream once. You know, it just doesn't work. See, from Jesus saying to Martha, Martha, the food isn't the thing. Spending time with me is the thing. All right. Are we, my first point today, are we present when we are present? 
Are we actually present when we are present? And this goes for God, and this goes for uh, our kids, it goes for our spouse. Are we present when we're actually present? This is tough, because a lot of us confuse just spending time in the same location with someone as quality time. That's not how that works, right? It, there's nice things. Kelly and I, before we had kids, you know, the age of sanity, before we had children, we would love, Kelly's going, mm, I remember that day, those, those three hours of our life, uh, right? So we would sit in the room with a TV off and be absolutely quiet in the house, and we'd just be reading different books, not talking to each other. It was glorious. Like, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful time. But was it actually even quality time with each other? No, because we weren't even spending, like, we were just kind of doing life, but we're doing life separately. Because I was on my own little world with dragons and people shooting each other. And Kelly was, I don't know what she was reading. And whatever, we were, we were still separate, but next to each other. Evan's like, oh, you watch TV with your spouse. That's nice. Both of you are on your cell phones the whole time. Oops. Don't call me out like that, Jared. It happens. Um, if you have the new... Um, if you, have a, if you downloaded the new uh, operating system for iPhone, uh, one, you can't use our church app right now. Sorry, that's getting fixed. Um, and two, um, so if you're a late uh, person to that, please stay late, and then you can still use the app. Um, but if you, you updated, um, there's this thing called screen time. I'm sure Android has a screen time thing as well somewhere in some app. I don't know. I don't have an Android. But iPhone has this new screen time thing. If you want to be convicted with how much time that stupid phone is in your hand, turn on the screen time feature, and you will see how much you are not actually present when you're supposed to be present. It will, and it doesn't, but, well, I, I use my phone for work, Jared. I check a lot of email on there. It takes you about five seconds. I check a lot of email, do a lot of things, important things. That phone will tell you you spent four hours on Candy Crush a day. <laughs> Right? It will tell you exactly what you did. It'll say you spent this much time in games, this much time in social media, and this much time in the productivity apps. Ugh! I hate you, phone, being my accountability partner. Right? I'll tell you, because of that stupid app, I was down 28% of time usage this week. 20, it sends me a, a message at 8.30 in the morning on Sunday. Thanks for convicting me, Apple. Um, but I was down 28%. I would still like to tell you that I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's really, yeah, no, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. There's stupid phones in my head because I'm not present when I'm supposed to be present. I'm present with a phone thing in my hand. I don't know about you, but I need to pay attention to that. Am I, am I really present with my kids when I have the opportunity to be present with my children? Am I really pre- present with my wife or my husband when I have the opportunity to pre- be present with them? Am I actually present in my job when I'm supposed to be present in my job? I can't get anything done. Are you there? And are you present with God when you're supposed to be present with God? I don't know about you, but sometimes my, my, my time and my prayers with Jesus are, yeah, Jesus, I did this for you, and I did this for you, and I did this for you, and I really could use your help with this one because that's kind of weird, and I don't know how it's all going to get done, and, and I'm running out of time, and I really, I did this thing for you too as well, and I did this thing as well for you, and he's going, and then we get mad, we get frustrated with Jesus, like, Jesus, uh, you didn't come through on helping me finish my to-do list that was for you, so if you could get on that, that'd be great, Right? We do that, except that's not, and Jesus is going, 
I don't need any help cooking dinner, Jared. I can feed the 5,000. I want to be with you. And that is dramatic. Like, I don't like this message. (laughs) I don't like it. Because I want to do stuff that I can mark off my list and I can feel like, yeah, I pastored well today. Woo! Right? You want to do stuff and be like, I dadded so good. I husbanded so well. And it doesn't work like that. You can do all the things the books tell you to do. You can check all the boxes. You can do all that fun stuff. And your marriage and your relationships and your kids can still be going crazy. Because the the whole rule book is, no, 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 I just want you to be with me. But I can't grade that, Jesus. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm an American. And I got to, like, put a rubric on everything. And uh, so if you could give me, like, a rubric, could we have a Revelations Part 2? Just an extra book that tells me all the rules. Yeah, we had that before. It was called the law. It didn't work out so well, and I ended it. I fulfilled it. The new law is love God, love people. This story, this, this, this point, this, this uh, happening that goes on in Jesus' life, is layered. Oftentimes when you read the, um, read the scripture, uh, there is many multi-level things going on. What makes the scripture just so absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, the rabbis used to call it a, a, a multifaceted jewel. And every time you turned it, you would see something else refracting out of it. I love that. This precious jewel that every time I, I change it a little bit, I can see something new and beautiful coming, coming through out of it. That's what we look like when we, when we look at the scripture. There's a couple of things going on here. You've got um, Jesus preparing himself for Passover. You've got the 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 dichotomy of feeding the 5,000 to Martha flipping out about feeding 15 people. You've got that whole kind of thing going on if you read it in context. The next thing you've got going on that I think is obvious to us is, you know, Mary's doing it right. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha's too busy. You've got that easy thing that you see there. The third one um, that hit me this morning because when I was having breakfast with Kendall and I actually said to Kendall, Kendall, I don't know what I'm preaching about today and that's bad because I got to do it in two hours. Um... And she said, well, didn't you work all week this week on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I did my homework, I promise. I'm just still failing because I'm a Martha, and I did all the things, and I still don't feel like I have anything to share. Bah! Except if you read the scripture in front of this, read the story in the earlier in Luke chapter 10, what is it? Anybody see it? Anybody got their Bible open? What is it? Nobody's got their Bible. It's highlight. It's illegal. It's the Good Samaritan. All right, come on. When I say, oh, oh yeah, like you didn't know. <laughs> so, it's the Good Samaritan. What are we learning in the Good Samaritan? What are we learning there? We're learning how to love people well. That we are supposed to love them no matter what race, no matter what uh, tribe, no matter what tongue, no matter how much they offend us, how, more, how much we don't agree with them, we're supposed to love them. I don't like that passage. I wanted something different. But it's talking about loving people. What is this passage about Mary and Martha talking about? How to love God. Because Martha in the story represents all the pharisaical law. She represents all the Old Testament. She represents what the, the Levites are telling us to do. It represents how you're supposed to hold your stand and hold your tongue so you can get into heaven and, 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 do, and make God happy. That's what Martha represents. What Mary represents is this new way of thinking of, I want you to be with me. 
Old Testament, New Testament thinking. So in these two passages, in, in Luke chapter 10, you have the Good Samaritan teaching us what? How to love your neighbor as yourself in the ultimate, ultimate rendition of that. Who is your neighbor? Even the people you don't like. Can we rewrite that one, please? And what's the second? Love God with everything that you have. The two commandments that Jesus says everything boils down to these. This is what's important. Love your neighbor as yourself and love me. I started thinking about that. You can thank Kendall for that point because that's where it came from. Her trash talking her dad. But as you think about that, as you, as you incorporate that, you go, oh, my goodness, that's what this is really about. How do I love God well? Are we present when we're present? Do we just come to church and do the motions? We're like, okay, yeah. Because if we're not actually present here and we're not present in our, our time with God, if we're not fully committing ourselves to that, church becomes an add-on, right? Church becomes not that important. Like, oh, there's other things. I, I was thinking through this message, and this sentence started coming out to me. Um, and I lost it here. It did. I thought about it a lot. Um, that good... That doing a lot of okay, this way is doing a lot of good things doesn't equal the best thing, and we're a lot of guilty of that, right? Doing a lot of good things doesn't equal the bad, th- bad things. Um, so if you have a good thing plus a good thing plus a good thing plus a good thing plus a good thing, that does not equal best. They're in different different parameters. Best equals best. What do I mean that by that? Doing all the things so you can be super dad or mom of the, of the year here. Doing all the things so you can be super employee of the month. Doing all the things so you can be super husband of the year or whatever like this. Those equaling don't equal best. Sitting at the feet of Jesus equals best. That's hard to come by because the good things have checklists. The good things are easy to martha eyes. The best thing's hard to, like, my job is so stinking uh, subjective, right? I'd love to have a rubric that I understood. Like, my rubric is not a healthy rubric. It's how many people came to church today, how was giving, how many baptisms did we have, how many people got saved. That, that's what my rubric is. How many people got up and walked out on me in the middle of a message? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she got a kid's text. She gets a get-out-of-jail-free card. She can get out of the card. Then I don't have to take it personal either. There we go. Okay. See, if I didn't feel safe with Mary, I would never have said that. Um. <laughs> but I have this, this very subjective thing, right? There's, those are things you can check off. So if giving goes down, I must be a bad pastor. If people aren't coming to church, I must be a bad pastor. If people aren't getting saved, I must be a bad pastor, Right? You all have a bad habit of telling me six months after you got saved that you got saved. I'm like, I didn't have to be depressed and feel all these ways. Because, but the problem with that is this major thing. That's Martha thinking in something that's supposed to be Mary. Because I want to put all these different things on it to say, you know what, I, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, so I can feel validated and know I'm okay. No, my validation comes from sitting at the feet of Jesus and developing that relationship. You see the difference? 
I, I'm not saying that for a pity party for Jared. Okay, that's not, not, not what I'm saying. I'm saying. I struggle with this. You probably struggle with it as well. You've got all kinds of things in your life where, like, well, well, I'm not measuring up to this stick, and I'm not measuring up to this stick, and I'm not measuring up to this stick. Those are the wrong sticks. Are we present with God? Those sticks will take care of themselves if we are present with Jesus. Good plus good plus good does not equal best. Best equals best. Another thing about standards is Martha's standard that she has for herself is not the standard that Jesus has for her. The standard that Martha has for herself is not the standard that Jesus has for us or for her, right? The same thing we do. The standards that we put on ourselves is not the standard that Jesus has for us. The standard he has for us is, did you love God? Did you love people? Are you loving me well? Are you loving people well? That is the standard. Not did we do this, 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 X, Y, and Z. And folks, we could fall into that trap so easily. Thanksgiving is coming. Christmas is coming. The to-do list is coming. I don't know about you, but I'm already, my calendar for December is already starting to fill up with with parties and this and all the obligations that I've got to do, right? That's not what this is about. If we go through Christmas, we go through the season and we're not being with Jesus we're not understanding the, um, the amazing uh, truth of the nativity and what that means. Folks, we've missed it. The world wants to make, us, make it about to-do lists, about all the different things. Can I give you permission to do something crazy today? I'm going to give you permission to do something nuts this Thanksgiving. I'm going to give you permission to order it from Mariano's or Jewel, whatever you want. You go up to their deli. You say, you know what I need? I need a turkey. I ain't cooking no turkey. My, cookies, my, my turkey's good, by the way. But I'm not cooking a turkey. It'll be dry, and I got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I forgot to defrost it, so I got to do extra steps, and that, that warm water bath is not doing anything. It's going to make it disgusting. Marianas, will you, will you make me a turkey? Will you make me some cranberry stuff, and will you make me some mashed potatoes, and will you make me a corn casserole? Marianas will gladly take your money, and they will gladly do that. And you know what you did? You did not dirty one dish in doing all that. Instead of spending 18 hours in the kitchen the week of Thanksgiving, you got to be with your family. Right? Can I give you permission to do that? That will cost you a little bit of money, but the money is worth it if you get to be with your family. No one's going to, like, even claim it. Like, I did it. You know, Jared told me that, you know, this is okay. I watched a, watched a TV show where the mom did that this week, and I just started laughing. because, like, yes! She's like, every year, she's like, I wrap presents while I cook Christmas dinner. But yeah, because you got all these obligations, you got all these things you got going on in your head that you think you have to measure up to when it's Christmas. And what really is important is you being with your, well, Jesus. But the, the secondary is being with Jesus with your family. You hear that? Maybe you need permission for that. You can, I, you're not supposed to quote your pastor in a fight with your spouse. On this one, you can quote your pastor. Well, Jared said, I'll take a phone call on that one. I, I promise you. Because what is so important? It's, oh, Thanksgiving's all about family. Then why aren't you part of the family? Oh, just throwing it out there. I want to give you another permission. This week, a lot of us got crazy things going on. Lots of to-do lists at this time. Lots of parties, lots of different stuff. You know who else will take your money? Dominoes will take your money. Store to pizza. One night this week. 
store, just order, say, nope, Monday night is going to be Wednesday night, whatever. Wouldn't order pizza on Halloween. All kinds of weird things can happen. But um, I'd order pizza like Monday night, Tuesday night. We're, we're not doing, no one's doing dishes. We're going to eat out of the cardboard box. We're going to throw it away. No one's touching anything. We'll even have them pay the extra and they'll bring a two liter of pop with them. I'm not, we're not doing nothing. The refrigerator is not even being opened. Why is that so important? Because now I can be present with you. I don't have to deal with this and don't have to deal with that and don't have to jump through these hoops and I don't have to go like that. I can just be present with you. And I'm hoping that if we ingrain this idea of I'm just going to be present in this moment, I'm going to actually enjoy this conversation with you. And folks, it does not matter. And here's, here's some checks you got to deal with being present. Because when I'm present with Jesus, I want to interrupt him a lot. Yeah, Jesus, uh, you, you didn't do this, this, and this in all my to-do lists. And if you really examine your prayers and why you're frustrated with Jesus, it probably is because he's not answering your prayers the way you want him to in the time that you want him to. But being present with him in that and just being quiet and, be, and understanding what's going on. Maybe reading the scripture and letting it just speak into your heart. Let it just sit. Not getting fast, not getting sped up, just let it sit. With your husband, with your, with your wife, listening to what they are saying. Um, I was, had a challenge with some of my uh, friends these last couple weeks of having the first five um, it was called the first five challenge. In the first five minutes, your wife came home or you came home. You're supposed to get within five feet of your wife and talk to her for five minutes. Kelly does not know I had this challenge. Guess what about that challenge? I could not do. If I was to try to get within five feet of my, uh, five feet of my wife for the first five minutes she came home from, from school, I'd be doing this. <laughs> right? <laughs> I got my aerobic in for the day because I'm chasing my wife. Our house is on a circle. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. It's, it wasn't happen. it's not going nah, to happen. <laughs> She's also got three kids that are happy to see her and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, who's got time to do that? So, so me, me and another guy who were doing the challenge, we're like, we're going to start the first five minutes of 8 o'clock. We're gonna get, and that went way better. Uh, that went way better. But see, we, I did all this without her knowing because it just we set ourselves up for failure at, at the time that it was going on. But um, the challenge was to actually be present, right? No distractions, no cell phone in your hand, no, no listen to anything else. Just be present for just five minutes. This doesn't need, like, I don't have time for it. You got five minutes, right? It's amazing how much intentional conversation you can have in just a little bit of time when you Block all the distractions away and say, okay, I want to focus in on you. Yeah, I don't care about that detail, but I'm going to still focus in on you. Don't care about that one either, but it matters to you, so it matters to me. Okay, ooh, really don't care about that one. Yes, face. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I don't care. Okay, all right, got it. Okay, so what I hear you saying is, no, don't, <laughs> but, <laughs> so that's just, but intentional conversation, intentional saying, I, I, I'm paying attention. Same thing applies to being present with your kids. Because you got kids right now who are talking about silly, crazy things, right? There's a Facebook video going on, on about this little boy who keeps on talking about Fortnite characters all the time, and the mom cuts to going, mah, 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 mah. like that's all she's hearing. Guys, I know the Fortnite characters don't matter. Your Pokemon characters don't matter to you, but it matters to your child. So you have the opportunity to focus in and be present. And if you can't focus in on that time, tell your child, I need a couple minutes. I got to get this done. And then I'd love to hear from you. My wife does this very, very well. Cause there's a lot of stuff Bowen talks about. She does not care about it at all. 
But, but she says, you know, buddy, I got to do this, and then I'll be back with you. Okay, teach me about Pokemon. Still don't care, but I'm, I'm, I'm present. I'm present with you. And this is a very, 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 very crucial, how we, how we are present with people. Because, folks, we're, we live in a distracted society. Just look at your iPhone. Look at how much time you spend on that, that stinking phone, how much you watch on TV. My daughter, my 21-month-old, uh, is assigning, um, what's it called? Um, who owns ownership? There we go. Who owns things? Assigning ownership to objects in the house to everybody. So, Bobos, Ease, Bobos, Ease, Mama. Ta-da! You know what she's assigned ownership to Daddy? His cell phone and the remote control. I can be upstairs in the bathroom in the remote control. Da-da, da-da-da. Like, I don't need it. Okay, I get it. I watch too much TV. (laughs) It's the World Series and the Dodgers are on. Come on! (laughs) I get it. I get it. It's so convicting. So what if you had in your house, maybe you don't have a 21-month-old, but what would a 21-month-old attribute as your ownership? You know what one thing my 21-month-old has not ever brought me? My Bible. Oh, Jill, that hurts. But I got my darn cell phone, and I got the remote control, but I don't have. That's not, that's not what I want. That's not what you, I, what you attribute to your father right now is someone who watches TV. Ah, that stinks. If you could look, fly over your house and attribute ownership of things to, to yourself, don't attribute ownership to your wife and to your kids, just ownership to yourself, what would they be? We do a lot of good things, but good plus good plus good plus good plus good does not equal best. Best equals best. Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed or indeed only one. Are the standards we set our standards or Jesus's? Good things must give way to best so I can do the good better. You can write that one down because I was pretty proud of it. It didn't make the, the slide, though. Um, it's handwritten. It was a latecomer, right? I told you, Kendall wrote the message later <laughs> earlier today. Good things give way to best so I can do the good better. How are we present with God? We're going to take communion this morning. We've been taking communion every um, message of this series. And uh, today we're going to have serve yourself uh, communion. So what you're going to do is you're going to come down this aisle over here. Even if you're sitting over here, I'm sorry, you're going to get your steps in. You got to walk around and come this way. And so that if you're over here, don't turn around and go back to your seat. You got to walk around. This is how we fix 55. Okay, folks, let's follow directions. And so it's a, it's a circle. Okay, we're just, we're just going to keep on doing it here. Um, so that's, that's what we're going to do, okay? But we're going to take that. Here at Shore Church of God, we practice open communion, which means you don't have to go to a Sunday school class. You don't have to come here on the weekends. You don't have to do anything like that. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are more than welcome to take communion with us. But this morning, as we take of these elements, as we take um, the time to, to really uh, examine our hearts before this, I want you to think about what this... this uh, bread and what this grape juice represents, all right? 
Because does this represent, oh, I'll ask you, I want you to be in heaven because you, you followed all these laws and you did all these things and you, and you were a good person and you went to church and you loved your kids and you didn't yell at this person and you voted this way and you did all these things. Is that what this represents? Absolutely not. This represents God stopping at nothing to be with us. That's what this represents. Not laws, not rules, not regulations, not all the stuff. This represents Jesus stopping at nothing to be present with us. That's what it is. That he would break himself for us and that he would wash away all of our sins with his blood. That's what this represents. Isn't that beautiful? Not that we deserved it, not that we earned it, not that we did anything, not that we held our tongue right for long enough, that we, we, we gained heaven, but that God wants to be with us. I have a hard time with that because the Martha in me says, well, I don't deserve it, and I didn't do this right, and I didn't do that right. He's like, it does. no, sit at my feet. Have a relationship with me. So as you come and you take these elements, um, Ben, come on up. Get ready to do that. I'm going to pray for this. And then as you feel led, come up and, and take the elements. Make a circle. And uh, you can, during this next song, you can sit and reflect about what that means. What, what needs to change in your life? How do you need to uh, just be present in your life with God and with your spouse and with your kids? Okay, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the honor of being able to take communion, for the honor that you want to be present with us, for the honor that you want to be with us. God, I am blown away by that fact. I am blown away by the, the, just the gift that you would stop at nothing to be with me. God, thank you for who you are and thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And God, that we would never stop striving to be present with you. God, there's some reorienting of priorities I know that ha- need to happen in my life. That all my goods don't equal best, that the best equals best. God, will you move in us? Will you move in our lives that we would recognize how we're distracting ourselves from the most important thing? Lord, I ask you to bless us. I ask you to guide us. I ask you to draw close to our hearts so we could feel you and hear you. Would you speak clearly to us as we sit at your feet? In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.